0: Well, we're still at the start of a new year, really, aren't we? Many of us are still finding our way, feeling our way into some of the goals, the resolutions that we've set for ourselves. We know what lies ahead, we know what we want the end to be, and we're scheming, we're plotting, we're planning in order to get there. Hopefully you joined us last week when we were thinking about expectations for ourselves, desires for ourselves, how we should be a people who are planning and preparing to grow in our faith, in our knowledge of Christ, in our love and our godliness that springs forth from that. But there is one aspect of our Christian lives that I think deserves um, another set of plans, another set of expectations, as it were. When we think about growing as Christians, we tend to resort to the same old tried and tested methods, uh, the modes, the means, the mediums that God has instructed and gifted us in order to get us there. Things like reading our Bible. We're so grateful to Iwan for putting together that reading plan. And this evening, if you're watching this live, we're having that How to Read Your Bible course, which is intended to help folks get more out of reading their Bible. We think as well about being a people of prayer, don't we? That if we're going to grow, we need to be spending more time in prayer. And as a church, we love to be able to produce resources and times and places and spaces that are are varied to help us be a people of prayer. But then there is something, perhaps which we don't mention as readily, but it is all so important. And that is the time that we spend together as believers. On a Sunday, in our know, rooted groups, over coffee, over food, serving alongside one another. See, these times are precious. These times are important. And even more so when you consider what is happening when we're not spending time together. See, most of us like to think that life is casually flowing by, don't we? We like to think that life happens and that we have freedom to choose good and bad and and, and make of life what we will. And yet when we read our Bibles, we're let in on the truth that there are those. There are uh, powers, principalities, there are schemas, there is the world at large, there is even this sin in ourselves which is pulling us in a certain direction. Many of us in church uh, will be familiar with the book of Ephesians. We studied it in our rooted groups quite recently. And Paul having explored and explained the the fullness of what Jesus had come to achieve. Not just to to rescue wretched lost people like you and me, but to smash us together and to create in himself this one new people of the church as a demonstration of God's wisdom and glory and power and goodness. And towards the end of the letter, chapter 6, he gives this warning. He says to the Ephesians, be on your guard. Don't just know these things and think that now that you know them, life will go okay. Be on your guard. Finally, he says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. For our struggle is not just against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Paul says to those believers, and to us still he speaks today, that life in general isn't neutral. That actually, uh, we... Exist in the context of a world of an age which is trying to to lead us astray. Trying to convince us of so many lies. Trying to get us to think that, well, in the Ephesian context, that being together is a bad thing. Trying to get us to disbelieve that God is a God who is powerful and, and able. That God is a God who is concerned that Jesus is who he says he is. You and I live the majority of our lives in the environment, in the context of being convinced that lies are true. <clears throat> One of the wonderful things that we see in Scripture, though, and many of us will be able to bear witness and testimony to it from our own experiences, is that when we gather together as God's people, whether that's on a Sunday, whether that's in our rooted groups, whether that's over the meal table, whether that's serving together, side by side. We're coming into the arena of truth. Into time and space and relationships in which lies are not promoted, but instead a higher authority is given way to, where truth is cherished and we get to see the world. And God and ourselves as they really are. As we begin this new year, I want us to have expectations for our own growth. But I think that includes having really specific expectations about our gathering together as God's people. We read at the beginning of the service, Psalm 145, which speaks so much of this declares so much of the, the truth and the, the power of dwelling and meditating on that truth. Abiding and being in the sphere and the space and the time and the people of truth. But I want us to turn, just ever so briefly, to Psalm 92 together this morning. This is how Psalm 92 is titled. It's called a psalm, a song for the Sabbath day. We don't pretend to think that the, the Lord's Day Sundays when we gather together is just a Christian modern equivalent of the Sabbath no it's it's much richer than that it's much more fun than that when we study it in our Bible but the sense of the Sabbath day being a time to set aside in the midst of all the hustle and bustle and madness of the world and life to ponder God To celebrate God. To dwell in his truth and the reality who he is. So let's read together. Psalm 92. A psalm which is a song for the Sabbath day. And see if it gives us any highlights really of the sorts of things we should expect to to marinate in. When we gather together as God's people. Psalm 92 verse 1. It is good... To praise the Lord. And to make music to your name, O Most High. Proclaiming your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. To the music of the ten-stringed lyre, the melody of the harp. For you make me glad by your deeds, Lord. I sing for joy at what your hands have done. How great are your works, Lord. How profound... Your thoughts. Since this people do not know, fools do not understand, that though the wicked spring up like grass and all evildoers flourish for a time, they will be destroyed forever. But you, Lord, you are forever exalted. For surely your enemies, Lord, surely your enemies will perish, all evildoers will be scattered. You have exalted my horn, my strength, like that of a wild ox. Fine oils have been poured on me. My eyes have seen the defeat of my adversaries. My ears have heard the rout of my wicked foes. So the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will still stay fresh and green and they will proclaim the Lord is upright. He is our rock and there is no wickedness in him. When we come together, twos in threes, in sixes, in dozens, in our tens and hundreds on a Sunday. We're coming into time and space where reality, reality is before us as opposed to the world around us. The schemes of the, of Satan and self and secularism where those lies can be shushed and the, the flames of the truth can be found. Or what sort of truths does Psalm 92 tell us should be there when we're gathered together? Or what sort of truths can we, when we gather in God's name, highlight, cherish, respond to and live out? Well, how about this one? Truth number one, he is worthy. He is worthy of all of our praise. He is worthy of all of our adoration. He is worthy of all glory and honour and praise. Read the first four verses of Psalm 92 again. It's good. It's good to praise the Lord. To make music to his name. To proclaim what? His love in the morning. His faithfulness at night. You make me glad by your deeds, Lord. I will sing for joy at what you have done. The world tries to convince us that God is not good. Or worse still, that God is not. That there's no sense gathering together. There's no son- sense using our voices, our minds, our bodies, our time, our monies, our energies, our emotions to lift him up because he's worthless. He's imaginary, the world would tell us. But you know, when we gather together, this truth we should expect to be there amongst us, that God is worthy of our praise. Sometimes, when we come together to worship on a Sunday, for example, you may find yourself sat in your seat and you think to yourself, I just don't feel like praising God. I think you're speaking truth. But one of the things we need to realise is that truth comes from the, the lies that we've been existing in. And that when we gather together, we should expect, whether we feel it or not, the true thing to be there, that God is worthy of our praise. So whether we feel like it or not, it is true. And we do it. Now on a Sunday that's done in all manner of ways, primarily when we lift up our voices, when we sing songs about him, to him, glorifying him. But that's true when we gather in other ways too. When we gather together in our rooted groups. Are we people who are gathering together to grumble or to give thanks? Are we people who are gathering together to mourn or to be grateful? We should expect to live in the truth, and one of those truths is that God is worthy of our praise. What else does it say? Well, it's a little bit hidden, but here's another truth that we get to live in when we gather together, the truth that God speaks. God speaks. Not only that, that his word has authority and power in our lives. Let's think about what happens when we're outside of gathering with one another in the world. Under the influence of Satan or sinfulness and self or what have you. See, the, the idea that we have, the lie that we tend to believe is this, isn't it? Is that my way is best. That authority should lie nowhere else but with me. That I should decide what I do with my time, with my money, with my energy, with my everything. That actually I get to choose what is good and what is bad. But we know that that's a lie. We know that that's a lie. Even if we just start page two of the Bible. When the snake came to tempt the first humans. And he said, well, is God really good? Or should you be the ones who get to make up your own minds? Psalm 92, this is what it says. Verse 5. How profound are your thoughts? How profound, God, are your thoughts. Perhaps the last couple of verses um, brought back some images for you as well. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree, planted in the house of the Lord, flourishing in his courts, bearing fruit, being fresh and green. It's very reminiscent, isn't it, of Psalm 1, of the one who meditates day and night on God's instructions. Paul writing to his protege Timothy said this, all scripture is God breathed out and useful in our lives in so many different ways. God says his word goes out and does not return to him empty. When we gather together we're expecting to to live in truth. We should expect not to have our own opinions or the opinions of those around us held up as the highest authority, but God, his word, his ways, his wisdom. Do you know, sometimes we can gather together on a Sunday, for example, and we sit ourselves down in the pier when we think to ourselves, do you know what, I've heard the word read, I've heard the word proclaimed and preached, and I have gone nowhere with it. I've drifted off, it seemed boring, it seemed irrelevant. And those are the lies that the enemy tells us. Those are the lies we've been living in for the for the rest of our weeks. When we gather together, we should gather together hoping that the truth would bubble to the surface, that God who speaks is, is one who speaks profoundly and powerfully and effectively into our lives truth one he is worthy truth two he speaks and has authority truth three that we get to dwell in when we gather together is this is that he cares for us that he is concerned with our simple little lives There's another lie that we live in virtually all week long in our homes, in our families, in our workplaces, in our places of fun and frolicking. The lie is that God doesn't care. That if the ground had been conceded, first of all, that God exists even in the first place, that he is not a good God. That he's not a good God in in a world that is filled with suffering as it is. Did God really say, you said the serpent? surely he just wants you to be smaller and your lives to be shrivelled and less than they could be doesn't care about you doesn't care about any of us speaks the serpent <clears throat> but what what is it that the psalmist proclaims it's god's love it's god's faithfulness it's about The horn being exalted, which is language of being lifted up over your enemies. It's about God there, verse 15, being proclaimed as my rock. See, when we gather as God's people, we get to say, nay, my God cares for me cares for me to the point of even entering into this broken world and suffering and dying and rising to life again to rescue me and all of it back to the glory that he intended it have. When we gather together, the caringness of God should be right there front and centre. Sometimes we sit in the seat and we say, God doesn't care doesn't care he does care and so we respond we we pray we let God in on how we're feeling not that he needs to be told but that we need to to have that freedom that release of sharing with him we get to voice anything and everything that is on our hearts and in our lives with him Jesus said when he was teaching on prayer that God hears, God listens, God responds. That he is a God who gives better even than when we ask for. God is worthy of all of our praises. God speaks and he speaks with authority. God cares and responds to our concerns. We've just got time for one more truth then. Truth number four is this, that he wants us to be a people, that he wants us to be a people together, not separated, not drawn apart, not pushed apart, not flung apart, but together. In the psalm, you see that in a sense it begins with a singular, it ends with the people of God speaking with one voice. They bearing fruit, they staying fresh, they proclaiming that the Lord is upright. I mentioned earlier Ephesians and part of the the whole Premise of the book of Ephesians is this, is that the cross has achieved for us the coming together of those who should and would otherwise be apart, Humanity and God on the one hand, but Jew and Gentile on the other. Elsewhere, Paul speaks about in Christ there now being no male or female, free or slave, Scythian, barbarian, Greek, that they're all in Jesus brought together. Now, of course, the lie that we live in is that you're okay on your own, that you are enough. That is, that's like bumper sticker saying 101 for the 2020s, isn't it? You are enough. You don't need anybody else. In fact, probably you're better off without anybody else. But here's the truth, that God has created us to be together. God has done drastically done what is necessary to bring us together and so when we gather as his people well that 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 truth is there isn't it that truth is there front and center that I cannot get most of this on my own but I need I need to be a part of the greater reality which God is building the church so as we enter this new year And we make expectations for ourselves. I pray to grow, to mature in our faith, to deepen our knowledge and our relationship with Jesus. To live and walk and exist in a way that models after him more and more clearly. I pray as well that we would have certain expectations about the times that we gather together. Around the dinner table. Shoulder to shoulder in rooted group Bible studies and yes, on a Sunday as his people gathered to worship. I pray that we would expect those times to be times where lies are pushed to the boundaries and truth is enjoyed. Truth is absorbed, Absorbed. truth is lifted up and feeding us for the week ahead. Truth that God is worthy. Worthy of it all. Anything that you have to give, it's worthy. Paul put it like this In light of God's worthiness, offer yourself, your whole being, as a living sacrifice. There's truth. Truth too. He speaks. He speaks. There's no shortage of voices who want us to think that they're the ones to listen to. But as we gather, I want us to expect to dwell in this truth, that he is the one who speaks. His words, his wisdom, his power. That when scripture is opened up, read and explained, that that has power to change and transform our lives. Truth number three. We expect to be there when we gather together. He cares. He cares for us. No matter how wretched you think you are. No matter how small you think you are. God cares. Of course he does. How do we know that he cares? Christ came. Christ suffered. Christ died. Christ rose again. He doesn't just care but he makes a difference too. Truth four. That he wants us to be a people. He wants you to be a a person filled with the Spirit. He wants you to be a person walking closely after Christ. But he wants us, he is making us to be a people. Who together glorify him, honour him. Bring his rule and his reign to bear in this world on earth as it is in heaven. So can I please ask you to expect in 2024 to gather in truth. That's not an exhaustive list of truth. It's just things that jumped out at me from this psalm for the Sabbath. Expect that when you come together, that the schemes, the lies, the ways of the world, they will be put aside and the truth of God would be brought near and lived out. Okay.